Lockdown. Our daily podcast to keep you sane during the chaos. 21 days, 21 professionals. Plus 14. 35 days, 35 professionals. To keep you sane during the lockdown extended edition. Hello and welcome to day 32 of our podcast and day 32 of lockdown. Three days to go. My name is Kirsten Farquharson and with me, the incredible Danielle DeToy. Today we have a really amazing guest. Her name is Dr. Karen Armstrong. She is a specialist psychiatrist committed to providing holistic care to individuals and their families with the aim of healing and enhancing lives. Her particular interests include anxiety disorders, depression, bipolar and psychotic disorders, eating disorders, personality disorders, child and adolescent psychiatry, and geriatric psychiatry. She has special expertise in cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, and mindfulness-based therapy, which she uses in combination with psychopharmacology to promote personal recovery in the fullest sense. She is going to be speaking to us today about depression, particularly in adolescence. Dr. Karen Armstrong, it is such a joy to have you with us on the show today. Oh, thank you for the lovely warm welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. Armstrong, so much for joining us. We are so excited to have you on the show. So tell us, um, yesterday we had the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Leslie Crew about depression that's present in childhood. Could you please um, tell us a bit more about how depression might present in adolescence? Sure. So um, depression in adolescence, in order to diagnose it, one wants to kind of have the, the same core features as would be present in adults. So a really low mood most days, most of the time, loss of interest in doing things that they would have usually enjoyed, you know, just feeling like there really isn't any joy in life anymore. Um, changes in sleep pattern, um, loss of appetite or increased appetite, um, feelings of worthlessness, hopelessness, guilt, um, suicidal feelings, activity shifts, so either being a lot less active than normal or feeling a bit agitated. So those are kind of the core features that are needed for a diagnosis, which are the same for adults and adolescents. But adolescents do sometimes present, you know, a bit differently. So Typically, they can often present being very angry and irritable, um, so more than a you know, pervasively low mood, perhaps just being a bit more on edge and a bit more snappy, aggressive, irritable, um, maybe very sensitive, so taking comments very personally, very easily upset, you know, the whole family kind of feeling like they need to walk on eggshells around, around um, someone. So, yeah, very sensitive to criticism. Often in adolescence, um, the picture tends to be more towards an increased appetite and just wanting to eat and actually oversleeping. So being way more tired, struggling to get up in the morning. Um, sometimes what can also happen, which is a bit different to adults, is that adolescents sometimes can be more reactive and still kind of perk up when they're doing things that they enjoy and when around peers but then typically the mood quickly falls back down when they're alone or doing things that they're not interested in um yeah so you know 
generally very similar features, but also subtle differences. And it's often a bit more difficult to pick up depression in adolescents because it's not as typical as the picture that one would see in, in adults at times. I think those subtle differences are so important, especially that emphasis on increased appetite and sleeping more than usual. And just to differentiate that between normal adolescents, how might this present during lockdown? So how might this adolescent depression present in lockdown? Well, you know, I think the really important thing here is to note that um, lockdown is such, uh, I mean, this is such an abnormal situation to be, be under. And there is so much strain at the moment. And for adolescents, I mean, this is such a, a key um, part of adolescents' lives involve their peer group. So adolescents typically, you know, there's such a strong need for peer group interaction, peer affirmation. You know, once often their whole lives are centering around friends and, you know, that's where they thrive. And the school interactions and, you know, physical activity a lot of the time. You know, a lot of their kind of meaning and joy revolves around things that at the moment in lockdown, you know, are just not possible. So I think one has to be really cautious and really aware of the abnormal circumstances we're in when looking out for these things in adolescence. And, you know, I think what one might typically find more commonly than depression is an adjustment disorder. So adjustment disorders share basically very similar features to depression that aren't, don't meet kind of the full criteria. And basically they changes that occur in response to a stressor. So you want to have the stressor at least kind of in the past three months. But the symptoms typically after the stressor passes and with, you know, a gentle encouragement and support, um, the person then kind of develops a bit more resilience and overcomes the difficulties, you know, within um, a period, about yeah, six months or so. So I think, you know, I would be quite cautious about making a, a diagnosis of depression given the circumstances because of the immense amount of strain that, you know, is on everyone at the moment, but I think particularly adolescents. Um, but, you know, then again, one does really just have to be aware that, you know, depression, it, it is also a high risk time for depression. So if adolescents do meet kind of those full criteria, one does really have to be super aware to take it seriously. Um, but sorry, I think I deviated a bit from your initial question. Um, so how would depression present in lockdown? So, yeah, with those core features, feeling really sad, feeling really down, um, perhaps becoming a lot more withdrawn. So just wanting to stay in their room, um, isolating themselves more, perhaps not even wanting to touch base with friends. Um, maybe families trying to encourage them to get out and participate in things, but the person just declining, really wanting more just to stay in bed all day. Perhaps becoming quite angry and irritable, you know, maybe shouting, losing their temper. So those things can occur. But also, I suppose, maybe acting out and, you know, wanting to uh, do their own thing, not wanting to, um, 
you know, kind of cut up away, cut up parents and, um, you know, becoming, yeah, maybe deviating from things, maybe wanting to still go out with friends despite the lockdown um, scenario. So could present in, in a variety of ways. And I think the major thing is just to also try and look out for any change in what is kind of normal for that person. Thanks, Dr. Armstrong. I think for a lot of parents, they often aren't sure what to look out for. So hearing those different symptoms and how they might present is going to be incredibly helpful, especially with you saying that looking for a change. That way, it mm -hmm. might not be the typical presentation, but if it's different from the normal, it's something to be noted and something that's noteworthy. So thank you very much. Mm -hmm. If parents do note something that's concerning and that they suspect that their teenager may be struggling with depression, what coping mechanisms could they recommend their adolescents use to help cope with depression? So, you know, I think if you're picking up that, um, that your teenager is acting a bit differently, you know, it just seems to be really down or really irritable. I think the most important thing is to try and, you know, increase your connection. So coping mechanisms that can be helpful is increasing support. So, you know, trying to draw the person out more, encouraging them maybe to come out and have meals all together, you know, even if they're really tired and not wanting to you know, trying to be a consistent and concerned source of support. Um, maybe encouraging some, you know, group activities as a family, maybe doing board games, suggesting activities that the person could enjoy. Um, trying to encourage a bit of exercise. So exercise can be such a healthy coping mechanism. Um, and even during lockdown, you know, one can get into... There's so many really great um, YouTube videos and that that are um, helping guide one through exercise programs, even just getting out, running around the garden, you know, trying to incorporate exercise into a good routine. Um, you know, trying to eat healthily, so um, trying not to just, uh, you know, get a whole lot of junk food from, from the shops and things out on that. Um, because healthy eating and, you know, really taking care of yourself can also go quite a long way to helping one cope in these difficult times. But I think the more that one can kind of draw the person out, encourage them to be part of things, you know, have open discussions with them about how they do it. Um, and really just, you know, validating their experience with all of this and trying to keep in touch with, you know, what exactly is going on. And if you are really concerned, um, then reaching out for the necessary support um, that, that is available. And the other thing is also there are a whole lot of apps nowadays that can be really helpful. So um, doing some mindfulness work, um, meditation work, those things can be very uplifting and can be helpful, especially at times if people are feeling really overwhelmed. Dr. Armstrong, one of the coping mechanisms you suggested was reaching out when they do need support. When would it be important for adolescents to see a clinician? Um, so I think if you have a conversation, if you are worried about um, a teenager or you yourself are, you know, struggling with, with similar symptoms, 
I think, you know, as soon as one starts to recognize that, you know, one isn't in a, in a good space, you know, sooner rather than later, touching base with someone. So, you know, if one is feeling really down, really low, no motivation, no interest in things, no energy, um, also things like not looking after yourself, you know, not wanting to get up and, and shower, um, and maybe also, you know, if the person is not responding to family trying to bring them out and encourage them to do things and, you know, if family's kind of tried to motivate and is picking up signs that this person is not doing well, then definitely reaching out to get the necessary support becomes more and more important. And of course, crucially is if the person gets to the point that they're starting to feel like this life is just not worth living and, you know, starting to have suicidal thoughts. I mean, that's kind of where we've kind of already let things get really far and that calls for them crucial support um, and things that then one certainly needs to take that very seriously. I think it's so nice to hear the sentiment of rather sooner than later because most people are cognizant of of wasting the clinician's time and not wanting to to make a mountain out of a molehill so i think for for a lot of people that's going to mean a lot just knowing that they can come when they do suspect something and just rather be safe than sorry um you know there is that clear line with the suicidal ideation but also if they are suspecting something that they can speak to somebody and that there will be somebody who will care enough to listen. So that's very lovely to hear that. Thank you. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think when in general, we always kind of let things get a bit too far before we seek help because inevitably one thinks, oh, you know, I'm just not strong enough to get through this or, you know, even with ourselves, we don't, you know, um, take enough heed of our own emotions and, you tend to feel, oh, I'm going to be feeling better soon or whatever, put it off, put it off. And then often it does a spiral. And I mean, as soon as one starts to feel that you're struggling and um, feeling overwhelmed, I mean, reaching out to a parent is the first way to go. And then, you know, if it continues, I think um, it's actually such a healthy process to have a neutral space, you know, even just speaking to an online counsellor, psychologist as a start, um, just to provide a, a safe space for you to be able to chat about what's going on. You know, it doesn't have to get to the point that, you know, you're in this incredibly low state um, in order to, to receive help and support. Um, because, you know, one needs to recognise that, um, you know, each individual's experience is important and that the help is available. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. Dr. Armstrong, what piece of take-home advice would you want listeners to hold on to during the lockdown and even going forward after the lockdown? So, you know, I definitely think one of the most important things at this time is kindness to oneself and to the people around you. Because this is an exceptionally difficult time for everyone. And you know, the feelings that, that everybody experiences are totally founded. I mean, this is a, a time that's extremely abnormal and there's so many stressful factors. I mean, there's um, stress over personal risk, 
the economic implications, the effect of the social isolation, particularly on adolescents. I mean, concern over when they're going back to school, what's going to happen. The uncertainty is an incredibly difficult thing to deal with. And all of it places immense weight, you know, on a whole system. So I think, you know, being understanding of these exceptional circumstances and the psychological strain that it places is really important. And that essentially one needs to have the kindness to yourself and, you know, the people around you just to take things one day at a time and trying to compartmentalize, doing as much as you can, you know, to try and get into a healthy rhythm and support the people around you, take care of yourself. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the, the crucial things that are really important. Thank you so much, Dr. Armstrong. I think just you validating that this is a really tough experience for so many people is going to be so helpful. And also the emphasis that you've put on parents making bids for connection with their adolescents to draw them out, mm -hmm. as well as sort of explaining to us when it is important for people to get help and what reaching out for help might look like and how that might be beneficial. Thank you so much for your incredible expertise and for the time that you've taken to speak to us today. I think the way you've explained it is, is really accessible and I think it's definitely going to have an impact for many listeners. So thank you so much for being with us today and for, yeah, and for just speaking to us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It would be great if yeah, some people even just find you know, bits of it helpful. But also thank you so much to the two of you for um, putting all of this effort in um, for something that's a really, really valuable resource for so many people right now. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you very much to you guys. Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. But to be honest, we couldn't have done it without all of the professionals that we've asked. And it's with people like you and that we've been able to achieve this massive feat and to interview a professional a day for the entire of lockdown. So thank you very much for your time and talking with us today. For our listeners that want to get hold of Dr. Armstrong, you can go and have a look at her website. It's www.drkarenarmstrong.co.za. So that's it for us. We will see you next time on How to Mental Health Lockdown Edition. Stay sane, everybody. We'll check in later. See you soon.